right, good morning. Welcome to worship. Good to see everybody this day. Good to have you with us. If you'll get your bulletins out, some announcements as we get started. If you are a guest, welcome. We're glad you're here. I invite you to fill out this tear-off portion on the blue side and put it in the offering plate when it goes by. And uh, we welcome you to Mechanicsville Baptist. Anything you'd like to know, uh, we will follow up with you uh, with that. On the other side is a place for prayer requests at the bottom. Please fill that out. Any prayers you may, uh, prayer requests you may have, we pray in our staff time on Tuesday. Love to pray for anything the Lord may lead you for us to pray for. On the back are opportunities for the week. Uh, I will start with today. We do have encounter service at 5 o'clock here in the uh, sanctuary. And then we have uh, youth and an ensemble afterwards. Thank you, gentlemen. And then uh, Wednesday, we have our midweek Bible study at 11. Wednesday night supper is baked ziti and salads, so be there for that. Connect groups, Awana and youth, midweek evening Bible study, as well as worship choir rehearsal. The crew Sunday school class is having a retreat day on Saturday. They're having a retreat here uh, in the FLC, so be in prayer for them as uh, they learn from God's word and have a good day together in fellowship. Also, before I bring Cindy up to remind you about the ladies' uh, conference, Pastor Reuben from the Dominican and his family, uh, his wife and his three daughters are all coming on April 4th through the 12th. So be, they'll be here the, the Sunday before Easter, and we're planning activities with them all week. So meals and, and worship and Bible study, and so we are excited about that, and so wanted to make sure it's spring break. We know it's spring break for our people we know it's spring break for them and that's why they were able to take their whole family up because it's their same spring break which is kind of nice so the kids will be here but if you are around we're going to have things in the church every every night uh and, and during the day for those dates april 4th through 12th put it on your calendar and if you can be here for part of it to get to know the family uh, we would love for you to get to know them as they are a wonderful family and have been such a blessing to us at mechanicsville baptist all right Cindy, come on. Good morning. I just want to extend a personal invitation to all the women of the church for our women's conference, which is going to be Friday evening, March the 20th, and on Saturday, uh, March the 21st. And it is a wonderful opportunity for the women of the church to come together as sisters in Christ to unify, to, in some situations, connect for the first time if we don't know each other, to reconnect if we do, but to look at this wonderful um, book called Breathe, and it's going to help us understand how we have become enslaved to things like our schedules, our to-do lists, all the things that just create such busyness in our lives, and also have us look at God's word together and how God from the beginning of time planned a way for us to breathe and take the Sabbath and what that means to us as Christians. So we're going to have a good time together, lots of discussion and um, opportunity to share. And so I just encourage you to be a part of that. Get your registration fee in before next week, before that goes up. So um, look forward to seeing you there. It'll be here in the Family Life Center in just about three weekends. Thank you. Okay, I bet he'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> the registration form and the fee, or you can turn it into the church office. I'm sure you could put it in the offering plate. Uh, you could give it to Gretchen. You can give it to me. We'll make sure it gets there. Thank you. Great question.
1, Philippians 1, verses 18 through 20. What then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the confidence that you give us through Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that you have made us into people who uh, are to be bold, who are to be courageous, and who are to live in a way that uh, honors and glorifies you in all that we do. So God, as we uh, give you this day, as we give you this service, we thank you for being here amongst us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit dwelling in this place. God, we pray that we would be very sensitive to your spirit, we'd be very sensitive to your word, and that uh, everything we do here would bring you honor and bring you glory. God, I thank you for the lives in which you've given us. I thank you for the promise you have given us in eternity in heaven that uh, no matter what happens, the worst that can happen is a life spent with you in eternity. So God, may our lives live with uh, such gladness and such joy in you that we do whatever you ask us to do, we go wherever you ask us to go. And so this day we pray that your uh, your word would compel us to do just that. Your spirit would drive us to be who you call us to be. We give you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Let us stand and sing number 172, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Please stand and sing with us.
Jesus taught many lessons to his disciples in the years that he was with them. He taught them lessons in obedience. He taught them lessons in love. And many of those lessons came to their fulfillment on the night in which he shared with them something very intimate and personal. The elements that represented his body and his blood. Later on that evening, he would be betrayed. The next day, he would be crucified. But on the third day, he would rise. Completing what he said he would do. He seeks after us to be obedient. To be obedient to our call to him. To allow him to use us in service so that we could show others the way. And so on the same night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had blessed it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, For as often as you eat this, remember me. After they had eaten, he took the cup and he said to his disciples, this is a new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, remember me. The Apostle Paul reminds us, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Now, we're going to sing the whole thing, guys, the whole thing, all the way through, both pages. Are we ready to do this? 163, please stand and sing with us.
Good morning. For the blessing of this in all our days, we thank you, gracious God. Accept, we pray, not just this money, but our lives freely offer in gratitude for all you have done for us. Use them both in this place and wherever you might take us. Amen.
Before we go to our time of prayer, I wanted to mention to you the deacons already received notice of this that um, Chuck Davis's son passed away this past uh, week and um, he lived uh, close to West Point and there will be a memorial and visitation service there in West Point on Thursday from 5 until 7. So I just wanted to make you aware that he just gave me the information coming in the door in in terms of when there would be a a time of remembrance. So wanted to pass that on in our condolences and sympathy to Chuck and his family as we keep him uh, in our prayers. Chuck's son was my age, 56, uh, when he passed, born the same year as me. So uh, we want to remember the family uh, in prayer. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we are grateful that as we come before you, that we do so with the full assurance that you are with us. We're thankful, Father, that you have told us and promised us that if we gather in your name, you are there. And for this we give thanks. We pray, Father, that you will be with Chuck and his family in the loss of his son. We're so grateful, Father, that in the midst of suffering, you are there. In the midst of sorrow, you are there. We lift those up, Father, who are hospitalized, who are recuperating at home or in rehab facilities. We give them to you. And for those who are homebound, Father, we lift them before you, knowing, Father, that you can work in their lives to bring hope and assurance. We're grateful, Father, for the gifts that come from you. For indeed, every good and perfect gift comes from above. We're so thankful, Father, that we can pray on behalf of our missionaries, knowing, Father, that they're serving around the world. We pray for their safety and their security in the midst of the virus that seems to be affecting the globe. We pray that you will keep them well. We're grateful, Father, that we can come here and know that we are blessed by your great love shown to us through Jesus Christ. We're thankful, Father, that in the midst of the storm, you are there. We're thankful for the power of your word. May we be obedient to your word as we seek to serve you. Bless our time together as we listen for a word from you. In the name of Jesus, amen. We conclude our study of Jeremiah today. We'll look at verses from chapter 42 through chapter 44, but we're not going to read all those verses. Uh, I encourage you, as I have every week, the verses I don't read in the chapters, you read later and they'll make sense to you because we will have talked about a lot of the things that uh, have taken place in these verses. So we begin reading at chapter 42 and we'll read verses 1 through 7. As I've told you before, I won't miss these name pronunciations at all. Janet told me I pronounced one name three different ways the other week. I said, well, you know, (laughs) make sure I covered all the bases, you know. (laughs) Yeah, one of them was right. Now all the captains of the forces, Johanan, the son of Kira, Jezniah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet, please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord your God, For all this remnant, since we are left but a few of many, as you can see, that the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing we should do. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard, indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep nothing back from you. So they said to Jeremiah, Let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you, whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. And it happened after ten days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Now we skip to chapter 43 and we'll read just the first four verses. Now it happened when Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people, 
all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, all these words, that Azra the son of Hoshiah, Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the proud men spoke, saying to Jeremiah, You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, Do not go to Egypt to dwell there. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, has set you against us to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans that they may put us to death or carry us away captive to Babylon. So Johanan, the son of Kareah, all the captains of the forces and all the people would not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. And then chapter 44, verses 1 through 11. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews who dwell in the land of Egypt who dwell at Migdal, at Taphanias, at Noph, and in the country of Pethros, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, You have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and all the cities of Judah, and behold, this day they are a desolation, and no one dwells in them. Because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger, in that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they did not know, that they nor you nor your fathers. However, I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. But they did not listen or incline their ear to turn from their wickedness, to burn no incense to other gods. So my fury and my anger were poured out and kindled in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, and they are wasted and desolate as it is this day. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, why do you commit this great evil against yourselves to cut off from you man and woman, child and infant, out of Judah, leaving none to remain? In that you provoke me to wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense to other gods in the land of Egypt, where you have gone to dwell, that you may cut yourselves off and be a curse and a reproach among all the nations of the earth. Have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of their wives, your own wickedness and the wickedness of your wives, which they committed in the land of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? They have not been humbled to this day, nor have they feared. They have not walked in my law or in my statutes that I set before you and your fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will set my face against you for catastrophe and for cutting off all Judah. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing in them. You've heard those words before. William Shakespeare, Hamlet, Act 3, Scene 1. People who refuse to do as God says invite disaster on themselves. Columns of gray smoke climbed into the sky above the wrecked city Jerusalem had fallen. Numerous corpses lay unburied among the ruins. Babylonian soldiers toiled at the demolition of its remaining buildings. Other troops herded Jewish survivors into bands for deportation. They shackled their prisoners, then shepherded the fettered bands on the five-mile march to Ramah. At Ramah, individual captives were processed and small bands were organized into larger formations for the long journey into exile in Babylon. For the most part, the procedure went smoothly, but mistakes inevitably happened. One involved, and we talked about this last week, was with the prophet Jeremiah. Nebuzaradan, the Babylonian officer in charge of Jerusalem's destruction, issued explicit orders not to incarcerate Jeremiah. However, Jeremiah was captured, put in chains, and marched to Ramah. Nebuzaradan discovered the error and freed Jeremiah. In clarifying his release, the commander reminded the prophet of the message he had proclaimed repeatedly that God decreed Jerusalem's capture and destruction before because of the people's sins. Nebuzaradan offered Jeremiah a choice, to be or not to be, if you will. Remain in Judah or relocate to Babylon. If he moved to Babylon, the Babylonian general would care for him personally. If he remained in Judah, he must fend for himself. The two choices offered distinctly different futures. The former promised luxury and leisure. The latter pretended hardship and opposition. But you know Jeremiah. Jeremiah elected to stay 
in his native Judah. They were banned from occupying Jerusalem, but free to live in any of Judah's remaining towns. Nebuchadnezzar appointed a Judean named Gedaliah to act as governor of the territory. He also stationed a limited number of Babylonian troops in the region. Gedaliah established his capital at Mizpah. Jeremiah joined him there. After the Babylonian army departed, Judean soldiers who had evaded capture and civilians who had escaped the carnage began emerging from their hiding places. They also joined Gedaliah. Together with those Nebuchadnezzar had left, the remnant of Judah's population commenced rebuilding their lives. For decades, the people had rejected Jeremiah's message. Nevertheless, they were his people and he still loved them. God's messengers must continue to love and hold out hope for people even when they reject the message. People will seek godly counsel. We see that in chapter 42. Tragically, a cable of former officials favored continued resistance to Babylonian occupation. These renegades assassinated Gedaliah. During the chaos following the Babylonians breaching Jerusalem's defensive walls, small units of Judah's army and individual soldiers managed to break out without surrendering. After the Babylonian departure, they reformed into a small militia force. Johanan commanded these troops. In the power vacuum created by Gedaliah's death, Johanan became the de facto head of state in Judah. All the commanders of the armies, as it refers to the army officer serving under Johanan. The force was sufficient to influence Jewish civilians remaining in the area, but too small to defend them against any neighboring military force. However, everyone knew any conflict with Nebuchadnezzar's army could result only in a massacre of the Judean force. Should they risk this grim possibility by remaining in Judah? Human logic argued it would be better to seek asylum outside Nebuchadnezzar's empire. And the people asked Jeremiah what to do. Consequently, the entire population, from the least to the greatest, sought Jeremiah's counsel on what course of action they should take in the aftermath of Gedaliah's assassination. They had two specific questions. One, where should they go? And two, what should they do? The first presupposed they already planned to leave Judah. Did you catch that? Where Should we go? For the first time since the reign of Josiah, people seemed to show respect for Jeremiah. They petitioned him to seek counsel from God concerning their two questions. Jeremiah agreed to seek God's counsel for his people. He would pray and report back to the prospective refugees. He promised to tell them exactly what God said word for word. In no way would he alter God's message. The prophet would neither add nor omit words in the message. For their part, the people promised to do exactly as God directed. They promised to comply with every word Jeremiah reported to them. Whatever God commanded, whether pleasant or unpleasant, they would obey. In other words, if God instructed them to do something they did not wish to do, they would still do it. In making this promise, they acknowledged events only would go well for them if they were obedient to God's word. And the same can be said for us today. Things go well for us when we are obedient to God's word. Maybe not in the way we think they should. Maybe not in the way we would interpret them. But in God's way, in God's time, God's word prevails. And it's important for us to understand what they were doing. You see, the people were saying one thing to Jeremiah but believing another in their heart and God saw through it. When problems arise in our lives, people may seek to advise us. When problems arise in other people's lives, people may seek our advice. We can deliver godly counsel. For 10 days, Jeremiah sought God's counsel. You notice it didn't happen right away. It took 10 days for God's word to be revealed to Jeremiah in its entirety. Now that's good for us to know because we get anxious, don't we? And we want it right now. And can you imagine the situation as it was in Judah with the famine, the pestilence, and all that went with the ruins of war? They probably were hungry. They might have even been thirsty. Disease might have been rampant. But for 10 days, Jeremiah prayed 
to get the word from God. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, indicates he received prophetic revelation from God. Therefore, Jeremiah summoned the people and their leaders to assemble and hear what God said. As a true prophet did, Jeremiah spoke the revelation he received verbatim. Note the use of the first person pronoun when you read this I. It indicates God was the speaker. If you will indeed stay in this land, indicated that the remnant must make a choice. If they decided to remain in Judah, God promised he would save them from all harm. When God called Jeremiah to be a prophet four decades earlier, God commissioned him to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and plant. And here at the end of Jeremiah's ministry, if the people stayed, he would plant and not uproot if the people stayed. Staying in Judah required trusting God. The Lord is a God who shows compassion and saves those who place their faith in Him. He wanted the people to trust Him. After all this time, after all the prophecies that had come to pass, the people were still given a choice. They were still going to be rebellious. Jeremiah advised the survivors to remain in Judah. If they chose to run away, the repercussions would be catastrophic. To travel anywhere outside of Judah ultimately possessed one function. It was to order, in order to disobey the Lord your God. God had directed everyone to stay. Seek God's guidance and provide biblical counsel is what we need to do for ourselves. Seek God's guidance in what we do. And the message will come back loud and clear. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me enough to be obedient to me. People may reject godly counsel. We see that in verses 1 through 7 of chapter 43. Although the people and their leaders sought out Jeremiah for advice when he gave counsel contrary to their desires, they blatantly rejected it. They were determined to go into Egypt, so they denied that Jeremiah had heard from God. Instead, they claimed Baruch's son of Neriah influenced his message. Baruch, we know, was Jeremiah's scribe, and he had delivered a message before. Isn't that interesting? The people sought the counsel of God and had made up their mind to do what they wanted to do anyway. Isn't that the way we are a lot of times? We make up our mind to do what we're going to do, and we'll say, okay, God, you come along with me, and it'll be all right. We want you to bless what we want to do, not necessarily what you want us to do. Oh, we want to consult with you, but that doesn't necessarily mean we'll take your consultation. Well, this wasn't going to work. This was not going to work. But that's what the people thought. Well, we'll just blame it on somebody else. Isn't that strange? To the prophet's face, after 40 years or more of his ministry of highest integrity, telling them exactly what would happen, they dared to say, you are telling a lie. You're lying to us. God didn't send you. They justified it by blaming someone else, didn't they? Have you ever done that? No, surely you haven't. Have you ever blamed someone else for your own problem? Put the blame on somebody else who is involved, yes, but who really is not the cause? You see, human nature loves to transfer blame. We do it very well. And blaming another is almost always the mark of human action, deceiving you, leading you into worse things than you ever have known before. And it started in the beginning, didn't it? Remember Adam. Oh, me. That woman you gave me, she caused me to eat. That's blame, isn't it? Started there. Do you see how thoroughly God knew their hearts? He knew what they were saying in their inner, heart, inner hearts. Ah, oh, down in Egypt we'll have no trouble. If we go to Egypt, everything's going to be okay. There will be no famine in Egypt, no war in Egypt, no draft, no drills. Everything will be fine in Egypt. This is another characteristic of the human nature. It not only arouses within us these unreasoning fears, but it also leads us to trust in baseless hope, to imagine that everything's going to be okay in some place other than God's choosing. Is it not amazing how we succumb to this? What were they running from down to Egypt? The sword, famine, and pestilence. 
What did God say they would find when they got to Egypt? The sword, famine, and pestilence. You see, you cannot run away from God. You bring your troubles with you. You cannot run to some other place and escape. Some change of scenery is not going to relieve you because the problem goes with you because it is you. And that's what was going on with these remnant from Judah. The remnant of survivors went into Egypt. Having snubbed God's warning, the small band of Jewish refugees fled to Tophanes, an Egyptian city in the northeastern region of the Nile Delta. You see, people will not always listen to what we say. That's not earth-shattering, is it? People will not always listen. People's choices, though, have consequences. Jeremiah continued his ministry as God's prophet in Egypt. His message was as valid in Egypt as it was in Judah. Jeremiah was committed, wasn't he? He went with them to Egypt. His message was as valid in Egypt as it was in Judah. Prophetic declarations sometimes included symbolic actions as well as verbal proclamation. You know this. On this occasion, God instructed Jeremiah to pick up some large stones and set them in the mortar of the brick pavement that is the opening of Pharaoh's palace at Tophanes. The largest stones represented... The large stones represented the pedestals on which Nebuchadnezzar would erect his throne after capturing the city. He was already showing them where Nebuchadnezzar would be seated. Jeremiah warned that the Babylonians would invade Egypt. The remnant could not escape God's judgment. The refugees fled to Egypt to escape war, famine, and disease. Instead of escaping, the disasters in Egypt overwhelmed them. The message posed a flicker of hope. The rebellious group who followed Johanan into Egypt would be annihilated. But a few fugitives would return. This seems to contradict the prediction of complete extinction. However, the escape of a limited number of refugees served two functions. First, it offered the prospect that repentance might bring survival. Second, it provided an eyewitness testimony of the people's accountability to God. The people's stubborn response to what Jeremiah said is still appalling 2,500 years later. They showed no remorse or inclination to repent. Instead, they deliberately defied God. Not only did they acknowledge serving other gods, they vowed they would continue to worship other gods. They were defiant and rebellious. Jeremiah rebuffed their logic in chapter 44, verses 20 through 30. Jerusalem was in ruins, he said. The temple of the Lord had been dismantled. The palace had been burned and the king imprisoned. Hundreds of corpses rotted in the city streets. No one lived in other towns and villages. The people who once lived in Judah were dead or were exiled in Babylon. The few Nebuchadnezzar allowed to remain in Judah had abandoned the place and migrated to Egypt in open defiance of God's instructions. Jeremiah had warned the citizens of Judah that their continued resistance to God must end in his judgment. Jeremiah was not the first prophet to issue this warning. God's patience was exhausted. That is quite a statement. God's patience was exhausted. What is one of the characteristics we use to describe God? He's long-suffering. So if you have exhausted God's patience, you should be afraid. Because something is going to happen. And something did. They exhausted God's patience. This disloyal group of the disloyal group in Egypt was doomed to experience the fierce wrath of an angry God. The kings and people of Judah repeatedly rejected Jeremiah's message and refused to trust God completely. Nevertheless, Jeremiah continued to demonstrate divine love by not allowing his frustration to silence him. When a person loves someone, he or she cannot stop warning the other of danger. Jeremiah loved God first, but he loved God's people. And he administered to them for 40 years. And he would not give up. One will repeat the message over and over until the person loved listens or until the danger comes to pass and the message no longer is relevant. Ignoring God is the ultimate danger. 
Those who take notice of God need to be warned and receive hope. You see, we cannot give up on people who fail to listen to godly advice. That's why we are told to persevere, to keep on, to do what is necessary, to tell people about Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Jeremiah tried to show these people the way. And they had their own way. And people today have their own way. And their own way is the wrong way. Near Watsonville, California, there's a creek that has a strange name. Saucy Puedas Creek. Saucy Puedas is Spanish, and I probably butchered it, but that's okay. For get out if you can. Okay? The creek is lined with quicksand. And the story is that many years ago, in the early days of California, a Mexican laborer fell into the quicksand. A Spaniard riding by on his horse saw him and yelled out to him, Sauce Puedas, get out if you can, which was not very helpful. The creek has been so named ever since. Get out if you can. Only the wisdom of the word, only an acknowledgement of what is going on in your life will suffice. Bring it to God and tell Him the whole thing and trust Him to put your selfishness to death on the cross and rely upon the resurrection to live by from there on, upon His power and His grace to lead you through. You see, when God tells us to get out while we can, He is saying to us, come to me. Come to me. Give yourself to me. And when you do, you will receive the blessings of life in abundance here and life eternal with Him. Shall we pray? Father, we thank You for Your servant Jeremiah, for his persistent and consistent message to Your people. Help us to be convicted by His words, to recognize, Father, that in Him we find Words that show us the meaning of trust and obedience. Speak to us, Father, as we seek to be your servants in a world that needs to hear the message of salvation. In the name of Jesus, amen. The invitation, again, is twofold. First, if you've never received Christ as Savior and Lord, hear that. Hear that message. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And come to Him. The second is, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, are you being obedient to Him? And I would say you can't be obedient to God unless you first trust Him. These people, first of all, lack trust. Second, obedience. Why do we sing that song? We're not singing it today. That's okay. Why do we sing that song, Trust and Obey? Those two words go together. And whoever wrote that song had good theology. Trust and obey. If you're not trusting, you can't be obedient. The invitation is for us to trust God and be obedient. Are you willing to do that? Will you allow the Lord to speak to you as we stand and sing hymn number 433, I Surrender All.
effective, responsive reading for this is, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. That should be the business of a follower of Christ. This morning, Beverly Ann Smith comes forward. She has been talking to me for a while. Uh, she's part of our children's programs here, and her mother, Stephanie, has, has helped since a member of the church. And she has come forward this morning wanting to profess publicly her faith in Jesus Christ and wants to be baptized. And so I know you want to bless that by saying amen. And we will be talking with her some more and baptizing her before long. I might have to get a bigger stool up there. Do <laughs> you mind staying up here and let the people speak to you? Let them speak to you because they want to do that. All right? Okay. okay. All right. Okay. She's going to do that. This is Benevolent Sunday, the first Sunday in the month. Um, and so uh, there will be deacons at the door to receive your benevolence offering. So I hope that you uh, uh, will give if you can so that uh, we can uh, meet the needs at MSEF as well as needs that uh, people have that call us here uh, from the community. Uh, I think that's all. Janet informed me on the way to church this morning that this today is the meteorological end of winter, March 1st. Not on the calendar, but meteorologically, it is the end of winter. How she knew that, I don't know, random fact. Okay, so... Uh, Anyway, yes, that's a good thing to remind people of. Yeah, we'll put, we'll put a notice out. You might get a call from it this week as well as a notice. Next week, guess what? With spring comes what? Spring forward. So that's next week. So we lose an hour. I always get it fall back, spring forward. So we're springing forward. All right, let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart on a day that you have given to us, ever mindful, of your grace and of your mercy. Recognizing, Father, that we have a responsibility first to trust you and then to be obedient to you and your will. May we take the message that we have in our hearts and share it with others who need a Savior. Bless us, Father, as we contemplate your mercy and your grace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.